Good morning, and welcome to Mission Vale Christian Church. I'm excited about the message today. Pastor Zach, our youth pastor, is going to be bringing a great message from the book of Matthew called The Power of We. He's going to be talking about, out of God's Word, how teamwork is so important in the church. So let's listen into what he has to say. So my name is Zach, and I am excited because I get to be hanging out with you guys today. So if you don't know who I am, I am the student pastor here for middle school, high school, and young adults. We got any students in here today from Wednesday nights? Oh, they're quiet in here today. You guys got to be a little louder than that. We're hanging out here today. Um, So I want to thank Pastor Mike for giving me the opportunity to be up here and hanging out with you guys this morning. If you guys don't know me yet, one of the best things to get to know me is one of the best things about me, aside from my relationship with Jesus, is my awesome wife and my family. I got a picture here. This is my wife, Angelina. Um, We got twins, Levi and Aaliyah. Um, This is actually a picture from their one-year-old birthday party, and they're about to be turning two next week. And so maybe we'll finally get another family picture until then. If that doesn't describe what our life is like having twins, um, that should hopefully... say it right there. But for you prayer warriors, we need prayer for real, for real, y'all, because we are pregnant with our third, a baby girl due in January. So yes, pray for us. We're about to have three kids under three, and it's going to be crazy at the Fox home for us. Um, But we love being here. We love being a part of this church. But to get started, I want to do this. Uh, How many of you guys, by raise of hands, are um, sports fans? You like watching sports, talking about sports, um, anything revolving sports. Cool. Keep your hand up. How many of you guys are actually Laker fans? We got any Laker fans? There we go. Kevin's in the house today. Um, I am a huge Laker fan myself. Pretty much every Wednesday, I bring them up um, at least once to the students through my messages. So sorry you got to hear it again today, but I am a huge Laker fan. I grew up, Kobe Bryant was like my childhood, like, idol. Like, I loved Kobe. He's like a real-life superhero to me. Um, So I grew up just loving the Lakers, loved watching them. The guy for the Lakers now is this guy. I put this picture up first service, and it's pretty quiet like it is now. So whether you like him or don't like him, the point is, this is the guy for the Lakers. His name is LeBron James, and LeBron James used to play for the Cavaliers, but he now plays for the Lakers. And one of the most obvious ways we know he plays for the Lakers is because when he steps on the court, he puts on a Laker jersey, and you know he plays for the team, the Lakers. I don't know if you guys knew this, but there's a, I've been calling it kind of one of the best kept secrets here at this church. And uh, before I just tell you guys what the secret is, let me just, let me show you guys actually. So I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but I actually play for the Lakers myself. It's true. Yep. I play for the Lakers. You may have not, you may or may not have known that. Uh, I'll try to be cool about it. You know, if you want to take some pictures with me or you want my autograph after service, I'll, I'll be cool about it. We can do it out here. So, yeah, I know there's one of you guys out there like, he's tall. I knew he played basketball. <laughs> you guys are really giving me quite the reaction I thought. I said I play for the Lakers. All right, you guys are looking at me like you don't believe me. I'll stop being cheesy. I don't play for the Lakers, and I know why probably you didn't believe me that I played for the Lakers, right? The obvious reason is because, you know, just because I could put on a Laker jersey doesn't mean that I just automatically play for the Lakers. 
Right, think about this. Imagine if I had 10 of these jerseys, and I have to admit right now, as a huge Kobe fan, I feel a little disrespectful wearing the LeBron jersey because it's all I got, but we're going to roll with it today. Laker fan first. If I took 10 of these jerseys and just threw them out to you guys, and 10 people grabbed them, and I said, great, you're a team now, you're a basketball team, go out and win an NBA championship. How many of us think like, oh yeah, easy money, they got that, bring home the trophy, Mission Viejo, put us on the map. Anyone? No, right? None of us would because we know the obvious. Just because you put on a jersey doesn't mean you're a basketball player. Just because you put on a jersey doesn't even mean you know how to play basketball. And just because you call yourself a basketball team doesn't mean you actually know how to play basketball together as a winning team. And so I bring that up today because part of the the tension and part of the problem we're going to be addressing today is a lot of us are putting on the Christian jersey, meaning we're identifying ourselves with Team Jesus, which is awesome. But the question is, is do we really know how to like come together and be a winning team? Because one way to think about church, one way to think about us is we are actually a team, right? Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about how, you know, the church is meant to function together like a body, right? All of us being different parts. And when we work together, when we come together, we make up this fully functioning body, And so we're calling this message today the church, right? The power of we. Because even in the sports world, right, they know the power of a team. This is Coach K. Uh, He's arguably one of the most successful, greatest coaches of all time. He coaches Duke. And listen to what he says. He says, teamwork is the beauty of basketball. Five people working as one, you become selfless. And so like I said today, this message is called the church, the power of we. And we want to begin to understand what is this potential Jesus has given us to be a winning team. And so we're going to kind of have a little bit of a sports theme today. And so if you don't like sports, it's totally okay. This is going to be a really easy message to still follow. And if you love sports, awesome. Let's do this. And so I'm going to part in part kind of pique our curiosity a little bit on spiritual gifts. Because like I'm going to talk about today, your spiritual gift is actually directly attached to your purpose. And so to have us unpack this today, we're going to do this. Uh, If you have your outline, you can follow along. But here's what we're going to say, right? We want to understand how we can be a team built to win, right? What does it look like for us to be a winning team? And so we're going to talk about this, a church built to win. Number one, plays selfless. A church built to win, number two, is united by one goal. And number three, a church built to win is when every player knows their role. So I'm going to walk us through what do those three things mean, and then how do we actually apply those to our lives, and why is this so crucial that we understand? And so kind of the direction we're going to be going in together this morning is this, right? A church built to win, a winning team, is about we, not me. It's about we, not me. All right, number one, a church built to win, number one, plays selfless. Here's what Paul says in Philippians. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Before we can be a church that is built to win, right, we got to get ourselves out of the way. Let's just kind of do a fun little experiment right now, okay? Let me ask you this question. I want you to think about this, right? In the past week, right? In this past week, which human being have you thought about the most, right? The one you've thought about more than everyone else. I'm gonna give you a second to think about that. 
All right, ready? I'm going to tell you your answer because your answer is more, um, um, very much likely the same as my answer, right? Because the human being I thought about the most was me, right? Myself. I thought about what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? What do I want to eat, right? I thought about me more than everyone else. And that's just kind of normal, right? It's normal to kind of place yourself at the center of your universe because you're the one living your life. And that's okay. That's normal. The problem is, is I think when that carries over into how we actually live our lives. Let me tell you right now what I think is like the like number one thing I feel like everyone is just searching for. Right, the number one thing it seems like everyone's just going after as a means to find fulfillment, right? This thing that we all go after is our, is our way to understand if we're, if what, how we're succeeding in life. Everything comes down to this, it seems like. And I think the thing we're searching for more than everything else is happiness. Right, we search for happiness as a means for fulfillment. You know, we live here in uh, South Orange County, Right? A lot of us um, understand this, that in order to kind of live here, you almost have to be somewhat successful to actually live here. And so unfortunately, why things happen is for a lot of us, we started to equate success to happiness. We started to equate success to fulfillment. But I want to show us right now, there's a really big difference between success and happiness, between success and fulfillment. I want to give you guys a quote right now. This is from a guy. His name is uh, Samuel Chan, right? He's a prolific author. Um, he's a, a successful consultant. He's a Christian leader. He has a book called The Power of Tension, and he kind of helps us understand this. Here's what he says. He says, success is a visible achievement and is usually measured in power, popularity, positions, and possessions. Fulfillment is the intangible sense that we're living for a higher purpose that our lives count, and that we're making a difference in the lives of others, right? In other words, here's what he's saying, right? Success is about me. Fulfillment is about we, right? Success and happiness, they're both good things, right? They're both awesome things to have. But when we begin to chase happiness as a means to find fulfillment, we never actually find it. Right, because none of us would say this, but we know this is true. There's never enough money that brings us fulfillment. There's never a big enough house to bring us fulfillment. There's never a good enough person that we can marry or date to actually bring us fulfillment. And the reason for that is, is because the way God has wired us, we will never actually be content with our lives when selfishness comes before selflessness. So if we want to actually find fulfillment, if we want to actually find purpose with our lives, we have to get ourselves out of the way. Purpose and fulfillment doesn't come by thinking about me. It comes by thinking about we. So if we want to be a church built to win, number one, we got to learn how to play selfless. All right, here's number two. A church built to win is united by one goal. It's united by one goal. I don't know if you guys have like actually thought about this very much, but Jesus, he never really intended church like to be this place we, we go to once a week and we sing some songs, we feel good about ourselves, and then we go home and live our lives and then come back to church as this kind of weekly rhythm, which is good. All that is awesome. But what Jesus really fully um, empowered the church to be is so much more exciting than that. And let me show you guys. Here's what Jesus said himself. This is in Matthew chapter 16. You can read along with me. So here's what Jesus says about his church. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, 
And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, what I, I, don't want to, I don't want us to miss the significance of this verse. See, what Jesus wasn't saying here is he wasn't saying that my church is going to be so strong and don't worry, guys, you're going to have the power of my spirit. And no matter how much the enemy attacks you, you're going to be strong and able to withstand it. He actually says the contrary. He says the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against my church. How many of you guys have a gate in your house somewhere? Maybe get, keep your dog out or, for my sense, my kids out, um, right? A gate, what does it do? Now my kid's out of my house. Make sure I don't sound like a horrible parent out of certain rooms. But we, what do we know what a gate does, right? A gate protects. A gate keeps things out, right? A gate is meant to stop things from coming in. Jesus says, the power of my church, not even the gates of hell, will they'll stop the attack of my church. What Jesus was saying here is when he brings us together in the name of Jesus, there is power in we. There is power when we come together against suicide. There is power when we come together against depression. There is power when we come together against isolation. There is power even against death itself. Not even the gates of hell will prevail against the power of Jesus' church. There is power in we. So here's the thing. Right, many of us in this room today, right, know and can attest to this that there is one hope of this world, and his name is Jesus. Amen. For those of us that have been changed by that and know that, you probably know this verse. This is like the Christian anchor verse for us. It's John 3, 16 and 17. Here's what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Here's the deal. The goal for us, right? What unites us, what should put everything in a perspective for us is we don't gather here on a Sunday morning, get excited about filling seats. We gather here on a Sunday morning because we get excited about filling heaven, it's Jesus who unites us, our championship goal, right? The thing that unites all of us, the thing that is on the forefront of our mind in everything we do is to fill heaven. Amen. It's Jesus who unites us, and it's eternity that is our singular goal that we all work towards. We are united by the goal of eternity. So here's the deal. Let's go to this third one, because really, how do we do this? Right? How is it we can actually be united by one goal? How is it that we can actually play selfless? And I think it's by doing this third thing. It's when we understand that every player knows their role. Again, by raising, how many of you guys are basketball players in here? Like played at one point, maybe in your heyday. I tore my ACL twice. I was, I actually would be on the Lakers. That's a true story and I'm sticking by it. Um, but I used to love playing basketball. I played a lot when I was in college. I played a lot, just kind of open gym, um, just playing, just pick up basketball games and comparatively, right? I'm 6'4". So like compared to actual like basketball players, I'm not that tall, right? I'm like Dwayne Wade's height, somewhere like that. But we just run an open gym with some guys. Generally, I was one of the taller guys on the court. And for me, whether that was because I was lazy or just because I thought I was Steph Curry, I like to just pull up and just shoot a lot of threes. And there would be sometimes, maybe when I was missing a lot, uh, there would be some guys on my team who'd be like, bro, we have you on our team to be tall. Stop shooting threes and play more under the basket. And if you don't know basketball terms, generally, you know, the taller guy or the bigger guy on the court would play the center position so you can be under the basket, get rebounds, make layups, do stuff like that. And we know that because if you don't know, if you watch sports, if you don't watch sports, every single successful team has different positions. 
And every team is at their best when everyone is playing their position to the best of their ability. For us to be a winning team, we are going to be our best when we are playing the role that God has called us to. So here's what I want to do. I said this earlier. I want to kind of just pique our interest into spiritual gifts. And if you've never heard of them, I want to tell you what it is. And unfortunately, for sake of time, I'm not going to have time to get into everything about spiritual gifts, but I do want to kind of point you in the right direction and just get you to simply understand why this is so significant for you to understand, because your purpose, right, why God has placed you on this planet is directly attached to the gift that God has given you. And so let me explain this a little bit. Here in 1 Corinthians, we're going to read right now, um, in chapter 12, the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. And much like us, he was writing to them and he was telling them, hey guys, this is how you be a team. This is how you can be a church that is built to win in the name of Jesus. And he was explaining all this stuff to them and he gets to chapter 12 and he says this. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware Right? Because like I said earlier, knowing this is so crucial. It goes hand in hand with why God has placed you on this earth to make a difference with your life. And so to kind of give you just like an overall summary definition, if you're taking notes, you can kind of, if you've never even heard about spiritual gifts, you're like, what are you talking about? Here's kind of a way to understand it. Right? This is kind of an overall theme of how the Bible talks about it. A spiritual gift is essentially just a God-enhanced ability given to believers to serve God and his people, the church. And here's what's cool. You got to know this. Don't miss this part. If you're sitting here and you're like, well, I don't really have any good gifts. I'm not really good at anything. If you're a Christian, guess what? You have one. God has given you a spiritual gift. You might not know what it is yet, but you have one. And that is pretty exciting. So let me just walk you through a little bit of where scripture actually talks about this. Let me kind of just show you what this might look like for you in your life and how God has gifted you. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He says, in his grace... God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the gift and the, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership abilities, take responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness, do it gladly. This isn't a full list of all the gifts, but Paul is trying to help you understand how God has wired you to make a difference in this world. Let me show you one other passage here. This is um, Peter, right? Jesus said, Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Check out what Peter says here. He says, God has given each of you a gift from the great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Here's the deal, right? The gift that God has given you, number one, it's unique. God looked at you and said, I'm going to give this to you. And secondly, it is your purpose. It is why God has placed you on this earth to make a difference. And here's the tragedy is so many Christians don't understand how significant this is. And we want to find purpose. We want to find fulfillment in our life. And we're looking all the wrong places. And all the while, God's going, I'm the one who knows how I made you. And I'm the one who has placed purpose on your life. Aside from me, you will never find it because it's purpose 
that brings fulfillment, right? Jesus said we're to fight back the gates of hell. Our spiritual gift is our weapon. I think it's kind of cool to think of it like this. Um, I got this. I was 17 and I went to Thailand. In fact, my uncle and some of my family is here who I went with. Um, which is really funny. We were a church group um, that went to Thailand, and we came back with brass knuckles, nunchucks, pocket knives, swords, all this crazy stuff that they let us bring back. Um, And this is what I got today. Um, It's a cool little sword here. And this is the way I kind of think about spiritual gifts, right? God said, Jesus said, we're to fight back the gates of hell. Our spiritual gift is the weapon that God has given us. The tragedy is A lot of us receive this. All of us have a spiritual gift. If you've received in the Holy Spirit, if you said, Jesus, I want to follow you, God goes, here, this is your spiritual gift. Use it. And what we do is we take this, we keep it by our side because we haven't acknowledged it, we don't know how to use it. And then we start saying, man, I want to be used by you, God. Use me. I want to make a difference. And it's like we go up to the devil, and it's like we're just slapping him in his face, and he's laughing at us because he knows the weapon God has given us is right by our side, and we're not even using it. This life is a battle, right? And God has equipped us to be warriors. Your spiritual gift is attached to your purpose. So here's the deal. Really quick, um, again, if you've never heard of this, here are just a couple ways. I'm going to go through this really fast, but I want to just show you there are some ways for you to start discovering this for yourself. The first way, which is really cool, um, this is like a spiritual gift assessment test. It's a man-made test. It's not God. It's not the Holy Spirit speaking to you, but God might work through it. And so what this is, is you take, you answer some questions, and they kind of assess, okay, based on what Scripture says about spiritual gifts and the way you've answered these questions, these are probably most likely how God has wired you to be gifted. And so it's really cool. You just go to gifts.churchgrowth.org. You can kind of get the ball rolling for you. Kind of another really awesome way to start figuring out and assessing yourself is to answer these questions. What am I good at? Right? What do I know I'm good at? Right? What are the things that I'm good at? Secondly, what have others confirmed to me that I'm good at? Because you might think you're good at something and maybe no one else does, or you might be good at something you don't want to be good at, and everyone's like, dude, you're good at that. Right? What am I good at? What have others confirmed to me that I'm good at? And thirdly, what gives me fulfillment? Right? What do I just love doing? When I do that, I just feel full inside. It just feels right. Because most likely where all three of those come together is very much likely where your spiritual gift is. It's how God has wired you. And so those are some, just some ways to think about it. But I want to show us something right now <clears throat> that is actually even more significant. Right? Paul in 1 Corinthians, like we said earlier, right? the Corinthians, Paul is writing to them. He's like, hey, this is how we can be a church that is built to win. And he lays out what spiritual gifts are in chapter 12. And he gets to chapter 13. And he says, as awesome as all those gifts are, as important as knowing all that stuff is, there's something even more significant. There's something that's even more important that if you don't get this right, everything else is meaningless. So let's check out what he says here. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. What Paul is trying to show us here is if we really want to know where God has placed purpose on our life, if you want to know how God has made you, if you want to know how God has gifted you, you have to answer this question for yourself. 
how do I best love people? How do I best love people? Because guys, there is power when we come together as a unified team by love working together. And so I want to just encourage you to start thinking about where is it that God is calling me to serve, right? Because fulfillment comes by we, not me. And so if you guys have your hand out, I see some of you guys pulling out right now, um, either on your phone or wherever. We put some action steps in here for you to start thinking about this, right? Maybe for you, just a way to start is by taking that spiritual gifts assessment test, Right? Maybe for you is to go on our app and you, click, uh, and you click volunteer on our app or on our website, and it can show you all the different ways that there are to serve around here. Right? There are so many awesome teams. There are so many things going on here you probably didn't even know that are going on. Right? We serve in student ministry. If you have a heart for students, jump in with us. We have an awesome team there. Maybe you are plugged in serving somewhere. Have you thought about, man, who is it that God is calling me to have join me on this team? Right? Who is it that I know that I know would do just so awesome, but no one's actually brought them on to serve here too? Maybe you need to pray about who you can ask to join you. And here's the last thing. I want to just say this too right now on this point. You know, we call ourselves a family here, right? The church is a family. A family doesn't necessarily come from rows. A family comes from circles. There are so many ways for you to get plugged in to not just say you go to church. Right? We don't want to just say we're a church. We want to know how to actually be a church, and so I want to encourage you, if you haven't done this yet, for you to think about, right, what would it look like for you to actually take the next step in coming here and get plugged into starting point, to get plugged into next steps, to get plugged into a life group? You want to know what's so cool if you get plugged into next, or, uh, to next steps? Is they actually walk you through the spiritual gift, uh, gift assessment, right? We want to come alongside you and let you know how you can be a part of we, how you can be a part of this team, so I want to encourage you to think about where is God calling you to be a part of this? And so I want to kind of end this message today and just kind of help you to think through this. Maybe think outside the box, right? Think about where God has placed purpose on your life. I want to show you some people here at our church who serve. There are tons of people, so many people who serve here behind the scenes that make all this happen that you might not know about. And there's so many more that we're not referencing today that are so awesome. But I want to show you just some of these people to get your mind thinking about how is God called me. I want to show you right now, this is Eddie. Any of you guys know Eddie? Eddie, he leads our prayer team. And what's cool about Eddie's story is the way he got plugged in leading this prayer team. And if you didn't know, we have an awesome prayer team, right? We're a church that believes in the power of prayer. Prayer is like our power source in everything that happens here. Pastor Mike is going to walk us here at the end of the message today talking about how we're having a prayer night here this Tuesday. You guys are all invited to that. But Eddie got on our prayer team because he just had a huge heart for prayer. He understood the power of prayer. He loved prayer. And so we answered that calling God placed on his heart. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to get involved serving. I just want to be a part of this team. And so he just got plugged in serving on the prayer team. But because God had placed some leadership gifts in Eddie, because he was in the right place, eventually the opportunity opened up for him to eventually lead that team. Let me show you one other person right now. This is Sergio. Sergio for a while led our VIP, anyone know Sergio? There we go. <clears throat> Sergio led our VIP uh, community, which stands for Victory is Possible. It's like our Celebrate Recovery program here, right? Anyone, it's a community for anyone who's struggling with addiction, parents who have kids that are struggling, kids who are struggling, people who are struggling. It's just an awesome, awesome, tight-knit community. 
And the way Sergio got plugged in leading this group uh, was the same thing. Because of his life experiences of what he went through with his own son, he had a huge soft spot on his heart for other parents who have kids who are struggling with addiction. And so Sergio said, you know what? I'm just going to follow where God has placed it on my heart, and I just want to start serving on this team. He made himself available. He said, hey, I'm here to help out and serve on this team however you need me. And just like Eddie, because he put himself in the right spot, it was their proximity to being in the right spot that led to their opportunity. What I want us to understand right now is when you follow where God uh, leads you, when God places convictions and leading on your heart and you go after that 100%, your opportunity will come on however God has placed it on you. It's proximity that leads to our opportunity. Go after whatever God has placed on your heart 100%. But let me just show you two other people here really quick. This is uh, Troy. Any of you guys know Troy? Troy is awesome, right? The way Troy got plugged in serving here, someone said, hey, you're serving here on Easter of 2019. And he just said, sure. And thankfully, he said yes to that because Troy is awesome. He just serves and does pretty much everything behind the scenes, right? Every Sunday morning, every event, he is just here to serve, right? He has some gifts of serving. Doesn't need the recognition, but he's here just to serve on wherever God needs him. And what's so cool about Troy is our church is built on Troy and everyone else like him. Imagine if only people who served here was Pastor Mike and he was up here every Sunday. There'd be no lights, there'd be no chairs, there'd be nothing. This doesn't happen with a one-person effort. Pastor Mike would be trying. I know it's hard, but that'd be pretty hard. We need people like Troy who just have a heart to say, you know what, just put me wherever, use me. And Troy will be the first to tell you, serving was the opportunity that opened up his heart to grow in his faith because fulfillment comes by we. One other person here I want to show you real quick and then we'll end. This is Miss Pat. And the reason I want to show you Miss Pat is, one, she's 82 years old and she serves in the nursery. And even more to that, she serves with my little rascal. So give her some prayer because she is in there today. And what's so cool, why I wanted to show you this is, yes, she's 82 years old and she serves in the nursery. And I think that's significant because I don't know, maybe you're at this place in life and maybe you're getting to that place in your life. But I just think when you get to a certain age, it's easy to start thinking, well, serving's for those young people. Uh, I'm just here to tithe or whatever, right? And I don't know if you're thinking right now, okay, chill out, young buck. Who are you? Stop talking up here. And I don't know if it's convicting or not, but hey, it's not my fault. Don't blame me. The point is what Miss Pat does here on a Sunday because she knows what she's able to do. She said, you know what? I love kids. I'm able to do this. I want to just get plugged in and start helping serving in the nursery or in the toddler room. And what she's done as a result of that is families who come here every single Sunday are able to drop their kids off, are able to sit in here on a Sunday morning without distraction, are able to hear the gospel preached every Sunday morning. This is a team effort that we are all a part of because the goal that unites us is eternity. So here's the thing. You got to know this, that God has placed experiences He's placed testimonies. He's placed purpose over your life, all for the purpose of how you are called to serve for his glory. It's purpose that brings fulfillment. How is God calling you to be a part of the we? So here's what I want to leave us with today. Like I said earlier, church built to win is about we. It's not about me. I want to read you this right now. This is Jesus speaking here. It's not on the screen. I want you just to listen to this. Jesus says this in Matthew 6. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, part of our jobs as pastors, what we're supposed to be doing, what we're supposed to be laying before you as much as we can is to remind you that there is going to come a day where every single one of us are going to stand before God. doesn't matter what you believed, where you lived, what happened to you. There's going to come a day where you stand before God. And I just hope for some of us that isn't the first time that we realize what was actually important in this life. See, the opportunity that we have as a church, we can be a church that is different from the rest of the world. No matter how divided the world continues to get, we can be a church that is united because we know there is one name that brings us together. His name is Jesus. There is one goal that we're working towards, and it's eternity. Will you join us in this fight to fill heaven? Jesus created the church to be about we, not me. Let me uh, pray for us. Dear Father, God, we come to you right now, Lord, and God, we get so excited about what we get to do here every Sunday. Lord, there are some of us, you have saved us from some serious things. There are some of us in this room who, Lord, by the power of your name, Jesus, you have saved us from suicide. You have saved us from addictions. You have saved us from just brokenness and emptiness, God, and that's all because there is real power in your name, Jesus. I pray, God, we don't wear this Christian jersey alone. I pray we step into being a part of the team. Lord, we cannot be a church that wins when we are separated, God, and so we trust your spirit right now to be moving in us that this is a message where it's not received by my words, but it's received by your spirit stirring in our hearts, God. I pray you lead us into how you wanna put us in the roles that you've created for us. I pray for those of us who are far from you, who are separated from you. Realize that the purpose you created for us, the fulfillment that you gave us, God, comes from nowhere else other than you. That we will stand before you one day, and Jesus, this is what it's all about. It's about you that you've reconciled us, Lord, that you brought us into a personal relationship with you. And that is what we celebrate here every Sunday morning, God. So we just trust you to lead. And we say this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, right now we're gonna have a chance. We call it just our response time. For those of you that are Christian, for those of you that have put your faith in Jesus, um, we encourage you to take communion. One of the cool things that we do here every single week is we take communion every single week uh, here at church. And the reason we do that is because Jesus tells us to remember. He says, remember my body, right? We take that cracker because it's meant to represent his body that was shed for us. We take the juice because it's meant to remind us of his blood that was shed for us. And I want to say this right now to all of us. If you're in here this morning and you're just feeling a little discouraged, You're feeling like, man, it feels like I'm just going after attack, after attack, battle after battle, storm after storm. God, why are you giving me any relief? Why am I always going through battle after battle? Don't be discouraged by that. In fact, maybe even be encouraged by that because this life is a battle. The enemy wants to go after what God has placed purpose on. The bigger the plans God has for you, the harder your life just might be, but you are not alone. What we are gonna do right now by taking communion, this is what it's all about. If you've ever wondered, man, is God, is God close to me or is God far from me? Man, does God really love me? The only thing you have to think about is the cross. 
The cross symbolized God's love for us for all of eternity. All the fullness of how God feels about you, how God loves you, is wrapped up in Jesus' sacrifice for us. So we take communion today to remember that. To remember that we're not perfect, but what God does is he draws a straight line out of crooked sticks here, and that's what we're all about. Is the name of Jesus that brings us together. And so before I walk off here, if you haven't yet made that decision during this response time, this is your chance. Don't let today just be another Sunday. You are here for a reason. God is calling you for a reason. God has placed purpose on you today for a reason. Make the decision today. If you want to know more about what that even means, if you want to just talk about that, if you aren't ready for that, we got some people back at Connection Point who would love to walk you through that prayer, who would love to walk you through what your next step might be, anything for that. Just know we are in this together. We are here for you. It is about we. Thank you so much, Pastor Mike, for just letting me hang out with you guys today. Hey, thanks for tuning in this morning at MVCC. Great message from Pastor Zach on the power of we. Just want to let you know we have youth programs here every Wednesday night and Sunday morning for junior high. Love for your students to get involved. Love to see you here at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We'll look forward to seeing you next time.